0: But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Well, good morning, New Life Church. How's everybody this morning? Awesome, awesome. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Blake. I have the privilege of being the uh, executive pastor of Zero Collective. Zero Collective is a network of churches just sold out to see zero people uh, remain unchanged by Jesus. And New Life is a big part of that. And so, just so happy to be here. I get to be here every once in a while. I get to fill in for Brad this morning. Uh, let me tell you, the toughest decision I had this morning uh, coming to New Life uh, was what to wear, okay? I don't know about you, but your pastor just, like, kills it every time. And I, like, get intimidated coming here, and I'm standing in my closet going, like, how can I look cool today? And <laughs> I just gave up. So this is what you get, okay, from, from an old guy. So anyway, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my wife Kim and I, we've been married for uh, 36 years. Uh, so yeah, just celebrated that, which is awesome. Yeah, because we just celebrated our 40th birthdays as well. And so it is amazing. But we have four kids. Uh, 2019 was an incredible year for us. So that was four years ago. Uh, 2019, my youngest son, Seth, got married. And so, yeah, it was really a special event for us. Uh, We got to uh, welcome our first daughter-in-law into the family there. That's Megan. So that was in the spring of uh, 2019. But on the heels of that, one month later, my oldest son decided to get married as well. Uh, So we welcomed another daughter-in-law, Christina, into the family. But... Not to be outdone by her brothers, uh, my youngest daughter also got married that summer of 2019. So yeah, three, three weddings, one summer. Uh, so Jess was just praying for the offering, so if we could pass that plate one more time, okay, because like I'm still not recovered from that. But you know, things happen in a marriage, and so fast forward, we're four years forward, uh, so let me welcome you. This is Tyson. Uh, Tyson is actually my third grandson. A fourth child born to my oldest daughter. Uh, He was born in April uh, of this year. And then two weeks later, uh, there we are. Yeah, that's Charlotte Ann. She was born uh, this past summer, so we got two new grandchildren. But not to be outdone, two weeks later, there we have Sophia Marie. Yeah, three grandkids, six weeks. Let me tell you, we are in the mode right now. So I got a picture of all three of them. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Uh, uh, yeah. As you can see, nobody is missing a meal, okay? They are not missing, they are are well-fed kids. And so uh, I think I got one more picture of the whole family there, so all 17 of us. You know, it just used to be Kim and I. It seemed like it was just yesterday. But we had this picture, we spent some time together. We're at the lake, which will be significant in just a moment, but uh, had just a wonderful time just being together. And I hope you're enjoying your summer as well with family and stuff. So We're in the middle of a series here at New Life and all through the Zero Collective on kingdom culture, and we're looking at the parables of Jesus. And so uh, as we look at all of these parables, we're trying to figure out how do they relate to our lives? How do we take a look and say, how can we apply these parables that were spoken so many years ago to our lives? And today we're going to be looking at a parable that you may be familiar with. It's called the parable of the sower. And you're going to find this in Matthew 13. Uh, so if you want to get your Bibles or your phones or whatever, you can start heading there. But uh, uh, let me tell you that it was actually in all uh, three of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So three of these guys thought it was important to write this parable down. So I think it's important for us to take a look at it today. But like anything, when you're jumping into the Bible, um, if you just jump in and you don't have any context, doesn't it feel like you're coming into the middle of a movie and you're like... I really wonder what's going on here. So let's back up a little bit and talk about Matthew 12. Matthew 12, Jesus is uh, working his way uh, towards the city there, and uh, he's just encountering a whole bunch of different people. Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's healing people. He's performing miracles. He's changing lives. Uh, people are coming into a saving knowledge of who God really is through him. But there's also this other group of people, these Pharisees, And you may have heard that word before, and they get a bad rap because they were the religious elite. And so think of Brad, uh, think of Jess, uh, think of Joshua. I mean, I'm not calling those guys Pharisees, but they're religious elite, people who went to school for that. And these guys had a tough time believing that Jesus was who he said he was. And so they're just dogging him. I mean, they just dogging him all the time. And finally, we get to Matthew 13 and I think you're gonna enjoy this. So Matthew 13, it says this that same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Can we just pause there for a moment? Summer in Michigan, okay? If you want to follow what Jesus does, if you want to wear that WWJD bracelet that Jess just had on right now, can I suggest that this might be the best way you can follow what Jesus says? Go sit by a lake. I tried the same thing, okay? But then those two yahoos, which are my grandkids, came out there and they started fishing. You just don't, uh, you know, you don't get to sit by a lake all that often. But that is a great way to just think about Michigan summer and to think about Jesus. He needed a break. Sometimes we get this high picture of Jesus and we're like, oh man, he's at it all the time. He's at it all the time. He was fully God. He was fully human. He needed a break. He went and sat by a lake. So I'm going to say to you, if you need a new life verse, can I suggest Matthew 13:1? He left the house and he went and sat by a lake. That's my new verse, so maybe that could be yours too. But let's read on, okay? And not only that he went and sat by a lake. Uh, soon the crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat and he sat in it, and where the people stood, while the people stood on shore. Uh, I'm going to pause again there for a moment. So picture this: he's there by the lake, then all these people come by him, and so what does he do? He hightails it out of there, and gets in a boat, okay? Again, if you're looking for a new life verse, sit by the lake, people come to bother you, get in a boat, and then just get away from it. But that's Jesus. Jesus, he's not going to do that. He's going to talk to the people. So let's pick it up from there. He goes there. He goes, hey, uh, he told him many parables, and this is what he said. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plant. And still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear." Now, here's the thing about sowing seed, Uh, what a farmer is sowing seed here. You don't know when you're sowing seed what's gonna come up. You don't know what's, what's gonna come up. You're throwing, I mean, you're, you have an idea. You don't know if it's gonna hit, though. But let me tell it. take it from a guy with the last name Hicks. Seed won't grow where seed don't go, okay? <laughs> take it from me, okay? Seed won't grow where seed don't go. This guy is out there and he's throwing the seed and he's gonna try to plant something in there, but he's hitting all kinds of different rocky soils. And uh, uh, Jesus uses these parables, and I I think it's so cool, because he relates them to where the people are. Now, actually, he's in a boat, so I find it kind of ironic he's talking about sowing a field while he sits in a boat. But he's talking to the people there in an agricultural society, and they would know what a sower of a seed is. Today, I'm not quite sure we'd see somebody out there sowing seed. we see somebody on a John Deere tractor with a satellite dish on the top of that thing, and measuring soil density and getting the seeds right in the spot. But in this day and age, uh, people, there would often be a sower who would just be sowing seed. They'd have a satchel on, and they'd reach into there, and they'd grab out a handful of seed, and they would just chuck it in there. And I said to Brad, I said, you know, I think that would be a really good example. I could do that today. And then he says, yeah, and I'll get the vacuum cleaner out for you. And you can use that a little bit later. But anyway, he, these people at this time, they knew what a sower was. They would be often, they would see a sower. So in this time of day, in this time of history, often uh, as people would be traveling from one city to another city, they'd be actually walking around people's fields. So the roads were built around fields, and so it wouldn't be uncommon for them to see a sower doing this. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, or if you've ever been into this part of the country, you'll know that in the Jordan Valley, pretty much anything can grow in the Jordan Valley. I mean, they have uh, citrus farms, they have uh, cotton plantations, they grow figs, pomegranates, you name it. In this area, town, or this area of the world. Literally anything can grow. And so, again, Jesus is relating a parable to what people would relate to in this time. But this is what Jesus doesn't do in this parable. He doesn't really tell us anything about the sower, anything about the farmer. He doesn't qualify what the farmer is. He doesn't say he is a great sower. He doesn't say he's a terrible sower. He doesn't say he's a so so sower. He just says, a sower went out to sow a field. And so the disciples, the disciples are hearing this just like the people are. And, you know, they've been traveling with Jesus for a while. And they kind of get the routine. They kind of understand what he's doing. But every time he starts to talk, he talks to the people in parables. And so they get to a point where Jesus just told this parable. And they find him alone. Now, I don't know if they got in their own boat and went out to go see him there. I kind of think that would be a great thing because it seemed like a nice day. Jesus was out in the boat. But maybe they caught him when he, backed, when he came back to shore. But the disciples came to him, and he, they asked this question. They said, Jesus, why, why do you tell all these funny little stories? Why, why do you beat around the bush? Why, why don't you just tell people what they want to hear? And maybe even if they don't want to hear it, why don't you just tell them the truth? But instead you talk in these circles all the time. And Jesus responds to him in typical Jesus fashion, and Jesus says to him, he says to them, Hey, I speak in these parables because some people have ears to hear, and some people I have eyes to see, but not everybody has ears to hear, and not everybody has eyes to see. And then he quotes this passage from Isaiah 6, and the disciples are going like, What? I still don't get it. I still don't get it. And I think it's a good question for us to ask today ourselves. As we've been in this whole series of kingdom culture, talking about Jesus' parables, why, why did Jesus speak in parables in the first place? What, what was his point in speaking parables? Doesn't like the whole gospel hinge on the fact that we have to understand him? Does Jesus want to be clear? Does he want to be concise? Does he want to be unclear? Does he want to be vague? Does he want to lead people in circles? Uh, Jeremy Grinnell, who's a great friend of the Zero Collective and who has been here at uh, New Life before, he, he has this to say about uh, Jesus' parables. He says, I offer that Jesus wishes to be clearly understood in his parables, and he speaks to that effect, that parables are intended to produce understanding, and if a parable is not understood, the defect is in the hearer, not in Jesus' way of teaching. So what Jeremy is saying is the problem doesn't reside in the people or Jesus talking about. The problem resides in the one that's hearing it. And I think that relates not only to the disciples, but it relates to us as well, because don't we just want it quick? Don't we just want it fast in life? Don't we want to just, like, get right to the point? We don't want to think too hard. I mean, goodness, it's a Sunday. We don't want to think too hard today. Just tell us what we mean. But I think if Jesus is saying, he's saying like, he's talking in the parables, there's a deeper understanding, and with a deeper understanding comes a deeper responsibility from us to listen in. Jeremy goes on to say, he says this, he says, the selection of a parable in a teaching method is actually one of the most effective means of producing understanding in the mind of a willing listener. Key word there, willing listener? Are the disciples willing listeners? Are you and I willing listeners? Are we willing to go the extra mile? Are we willing to look farther, deeper into the meaning of this? Because listen, if we look into the deeper meaning of these parables, there's going to be some truths in there. There's going to be some truths in there that are going to pull out, that are going to affect not only the disciples' lives, but our lives all these years later. All these years later. So, Jesus goes on to say say he says this he says to the disciples he says blessed are you because you see and blessed are you because you have ears and you hear truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear but they did not hear it so at this moment the truth of the parable is realized the moment of truth in this is that Jesus is talking to the disciples. He sits in this boat and he's talking to all these people, but the parable wasn't meant for all the people on the shore. The parable was meant for the disciples. And Jesus is telling them, he says, you know, I'm going to talk to you. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to be leaving soon. And there's going to come a time when I'm not there and you're going to be out there and you're going to be sowing seed. And you're going to be sowing seed, and you don't even know what that means yet, but you're going to be sowing seed. And sometimes it's going to be hard. And then sometimes it's not going to be so hard, but like people aren't really there. And then you're going to be sowing some seed, and like people get it, but they don't do anything with it. And then you're going to be sowing some seed, and some things are going to really sprout, and you're going to see some grapefruit. Now, Jesus is telling that to the disciples, and I think he says that to you and I today. He says, what kind of sowers are we? What kind of sowers are we? There's, there's three components of this parable uh, together there, and we're going to look at each one of them. I call them the three S's, okay? We have the sower, we have the seed, and we have the soil. And so let's take a look at each one real quick, and let's see about the truths that relate to, to each one of us here. Let's talk a little bit about the sower. Uh, if we're going to apply this parable today, uh, who is a sower? Who is the sore? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have made Jesus the king of your life, if you accepted him as Lord, uh, you, my friend, are a sore. You may not be a great sore, but you're a sore. You may be a terrible sore, but you're a sore. You may be a mediocre sore, but you're a sore. Make no mistake about it. If you follow Jesus, You are given the privilege of sowing seeds. That's what we are. Now let me just talk to those who maybe are here this morning, maybe they're watching online, and you're not a a follower of Jesus. Can I just say that doesn't really get you off the hook? You're still sowing seeds. You're not just sowing the right seeds. Maybe for you, you just haven't accepted Jesus yet. And if that's not you haven't there, Jess had just talked about outdoor baptism. Man, we would love... To get to know you, we'd love to explain who Jesus is. We'd love to see that change in your life. We'd love to take the opportunity to introduce you to him so you can be a sower of seed as well. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a sower. Now, the seed, what is the seed represented in here? My friends, the seed is the Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. Uh, 66 books, written over 1,600 years, 40 plus offers. The seed is the Word of God. And let me just say, we've got the best seed in the world. Okay, this is a hybrid seed. This is absolutely incredible seed. There is no fault with the seed. Sowers, yeah, we have a little bit of a problem maybe with the sower. But the seed is great. Okay, and that leaves us with the soil. What's with the soil? Who is the soil? The soil are the people that hear the word of God and how they respond to it. Now, again, we may not be great sowers, but we have great seed. And let me tell you what, the soil, the soil, soil's not our responsibility. The soil's God's job. But a lot of us want to take it back and we say, we want to figure out who the soil is. Here's what I say a lot of us are great soil inspectors rather than being great sowers. I personally am a great soil inspector rather than a great sower. I look at people and, man, I make quick judgments, I make assumptions. I I get feelings about different things. go like, man, I certainly don't want to sow a seed there. Let me uh, use this for example. Uh, My neighbor uh, who lives just across the street, uh, we'll call him Joe. Uh, His name is Jeremy, but I want to protect his identity. And so Joe living across the street from me, Joe is some hard soil, okay? Maybe you have a Joe. Maybe you have a Karen, Okay, but you kind of know who I'm I'm thinking about. Uh, Joe's obnoxious. He's loud. He's gruff. Uh, I'm not real crazy nuts of how he treats his wife and treats his kids and some of the manners of that. And uh, man, it's really easy for me to be a soil inspector and say, you know what? God surely doesn't want me to go plant a seed over at Joe's house. Surely there's one. Let me go over to Shane's house. Shane's a fellow believer. His kids are awful nice. His wife bakes me bread. I mean, that's where I should go be planting seeds, right? But no, maybe I should be over and over at Joe's house. I'm a great soil inspector. Are you a great soil inspector? Do you look at people and say, you know what? Somebody else maybe can go plant a seed over there. Or are you following what Jesus says? And Jesus says, you know, there's going to be different paths and different ways of talking to people, but I'm going to call you to that. I wrote this down, what happens to a lot of us. It says when we become soil inspectors, it says many of us are great at it, Uh, being soil inspectors. We discount, we disqualify, and we simply discard reaching out to people because of either something they've done to us or maybe they haven't done for us. We are great soil inspectors. Jesus goes on in this parable, and he starts to explain to the disciples, and he explains to us what the different soils represent. And what's easy for us to do is, uh, when we listen to this parable, if you've heard it before, or maybe you're going to hear it for the first time, what's easiest for us to do, and and maybe you're going to do it this morning, uh, and I'm going to actually encourage you to do this, is you start to think of, well, what, what soil am I? There's there's four different types. What, what kind of soil am I? You know, because people have been planting seeds in your life, regardless if you know it or not. But we, again, are sowers, but we're also, at one time, we were the soil. And so let's read on in the parable. Let's read on. He says this. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. He says, when, someone, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, And the evil one comes and snatches away even what was sown in the heart. This is the one whom the seed was sown by the side of the road. Jesus is simply saying, he says, you know what, you're going to get out there and you're going to experience Joes. You're going to experience Karens. You're going to experience different people where, man, it is just hard, hard soil. But Jesus is saying, you know what, you're still sowing seed. You're still sowing seed. Don't give up sowing seed. You have to sow the seed. Don't forget to sow the seed. That's what Jesus is telling us. He says, even you, don't, you're not the soil inspector. You're the sower. And you're going to be pointing that out there. And sometimes it's just going to be rough. And it's not going to feel like you're getting any ground. It's going to feel like you're in the valley. It feels like you're just running uphill. But don't give up. Don't give up. Because I'm going to use it. And I'm going to use it. And you're going to see it later in life. You may not see it now but don't give up. Keep sowing that seed. Jesus goes on, and he says, he says, you know what? He says, if you don't have, if you're not sowing seed, because, you know, this is back to my point here. Seed won't grow where seed don't go. You have to go where sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you got to get to where it's rocky places. But that's what we're called to be. We're called to be sowers. Go on, let's find the second one here. He says, the second one, he says, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes before the word, they quickly fall away. Uh, I I call these people the wow people, okay? They have this wow moment in, uh, in life. It could be either at a baptism, it could be at a camp or something, where they come to accept Jesus Christ. Maybe they come to understand who he is And they place, put all their chips in the air, and they're going like, this is where I'm gonna follow. This is who I'm gonna be. But then something happens, and then all of a sudden they fall away. Do you know anybody in your life who you've knew who made that commitment and then all of a sudden it's like, where are they? What happened to them? Where'd they go? Like that. Maybe you are that person? Maybe that was you. I think at all times, at different times in our lives, we can actually be represented in all four different soils that are here that we talk about. But these people are here, I call them the wild people because they've actually been some of the most disappointing to me. Because as a pastor, you're investing in people's lives and you're finally seeing that breakthrough where they're going to get it. And they're just like, oh, I'm in it, I'm in it like that. And then all of a sudden, something happens, something in the world takes place, something in their life takes place, and all of a sudden, they're just gone. And it's a disappointment invariably, invariably this will happen to me. I'm at Meyer or at another store or something like that, and I run into somebody where that happened. You know, where they I had them in one of my classes, I had them in, in church or something like that. And they look at me and you know they turn the cart the other way. They don't want to talk to me, you know. But man, I'm like that person that loves that awkwardness. So like I'm gonna chase them down, you know, catch them on the next aisle over like that. And here's the thing immediately they come there, there's justification. It's like, oh like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Well, you know, and then a whole bunch of justification of why they're. And all I'm doing is just looking to find out how they're doing, how they're doing, how they are as, as a person there. Because people, you know, have these wow moments, and then all of a sudden they just fall away. And we just, as pastors, man, that hurts. That hurts. I remember uh, talking to our senior pastor, Brian Bloom, and. Uh, He's been in this in ministry a lot longer than I have. And uh, I remember going into his office one time, and so after a particularly uh, high-caliber volunteer of ours uh, who was very vested in the ministry, just, just up and left, and for no apparent reason, we couldn't figure out why. And I was like, asked him, I'm going like, Brian, how do we deal with this? I mean, how do, you, how do, we, how do we respond to this thing? And being wise as he is, he's like, Blake, you know, again, our responsibility is when they're here, man, we just got to love them. We got to love them well, and it might be something we said, it might be something that we did that causes them to leave, but we got to love them as they leave as well. We got to love them really well. And I sat there, and I thought of that, and I said to myself, that answer sucked. I mean, it was just awful. I mean, really? Can't we just like screw them on like social media or something, just drive it to them? Like, man, you were here, and you're gone. But it's true. He says, you know what? It is our, spo- our responsibility to love them well. Love them whether here, love them when they leave. Love them because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus doesn't stop going after them, and neither should we. Because again, seed won't grow where seed don't go. Let's go on to the third part here, the other soil. So the seed falling among the thorns is someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word making it unfruitful. Let me suggest to you that the first two examples that we gave about the soil falling on the road and the soil falling in the, in the next part there, that we really didn't have a plant in either one of those. We just had like a seed there, maybe a little uproot, but we had no roots on there. This part right here, where the seed's falling among, among this, <clears throat> where the seed falls among uh, there, but the world's uh, deceitfulness and the wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful, uh, now now we got a now we got a plant. We actually got a plant. But what we got is we got a plant that's not doing anything. Kind of like that useless house plant in the corner that really just doesn't do anything. But you got a plant. What's a plant supposed to do? A plant's supposed to produce fruit, it's supposed to produce a flower, it's supposed, it's supposed to do something. But here we've got this plant, but it's not doing anything. And I'm almost afraid to say this, but uh, I'm going to say it anyway. I think in our churches today, and I include the Zero Collective churches in that, that represents a lot of people in our churches today, this third group, where people who have accepted Jesus Christ, they come to church, they smile, they're part of this, but they're not producing any fruit. They're not producing any fruit. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to produce fruit. That's what God calls us to do as followers of him. He calls us to produce fruit. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. That's in Luke 6. My friends, you and I are called to be sowers of seed. But not only are we called to be sowers, but when we're in here, we're supposed to produce fruit. And man, when we produce fruit, there's nobody who can produce fruit like Christians can produce fruit. That should be an amen somewhere in there. There should be nobody, okay? We produce great fruit here. We produce great fruit. There's a, uh, there's a last group that's represented in this, uh, in this text here, and it says, But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and they understand it, and this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. My friends, there's, there's four different soils here represented. Which one best represents you? Are you producing fruit? Are you a wild person that just came and went? Are you just here but not really doing anything? Or maybe you're just hard soil right now. I think, as I said, at all different times in our lives, I think all of us are represented at one point in our lives by these different soils, I take, think back in my own story here. I, I think back to uh, first grade, and this will show my age a little bit. I was in a public school in first grade, and I wasn't the easiest kid, okay? And I remember my first grade teacher, Mrs. Holmes, taking me aside, and at the end of school that day, she just took me said, she says, Blake, and she held me by the hand there, a little, probably a little firmer than maybe I was used to, and she held me there, and she goes, I want to pray for you. And I think that was the first time that somebody other than my parents really had prayed for me. And in that moment, she planted a seed. And I fast-forward to, like, fifth grade. In fifth grade, I was going through some emotional stuff and some hard stuff. I just was one of those kids that didn't want to go to school, okay? Anything I could do to get out of it. I was sick a lot, but didn't want to there. And I remember my mom sitting with me in our living room, and we'd been kneeling by the couch there. And my mom praying with me, and she planted a seed. I fast forward to my junior high years, and, uh, you know, those are awkward years for all of us, aren't they? And I remember my, uh, high, or my uh, middle school basketball coach, Mr. Boris, coming to me, and, and he looked at me, and he says, hey, he says, I see something in you. And he says, uh, I think this would be a good path for you. And, uh, and I remember him saying that, and I, I had never thought of that before for myself, Maybe that this might be a different path that I could walk down. And uh, he planted a seed. I fast forward to um, high school years, and I met my wife. Uh, we'd been together for 40 years, if you can believe it. But uh, i married for 36, but I, I fast forward to my, my high school years, and I met my mother-in-law, and I wanted to date my wife, but she wouldn't let me date, my, um, at the time, my girlfriend, unless I went to church with them. So I got dragged along to church. I didn't want to go, but I wanted to be with my, my girlfriend, my wife, so I went. And she planted a seed at that church, planted a seed. I fast forward into my uh, young adult life, and I jump into a small group. where We're going to a church, and I'm not really connected. I don't even want to be there most Sundays, but my wife drags me into this small group. And all of a sudden, I've got a group of guys and women who start loving me. And accepted me for who I am. I started planting seeds in my life. I, pl- I fast forward to just a number of years ago. And uh, a gentleman that I met, I met, and he's been here before. His name is Jack. He's, he's become my mentor. And I remember him sitting down with me and he says, man, he says, you've got these skills in business. He says, there's this vacancy in ministry. And I think God is calling you to use those skills in business in ministry and I had never thought of that before and he says in these four letters that have changed my life he says I see in you I see in you I see this in you Blake this was not the plan um some of you know my story but the plan was not to be a pastor I should be retired by now that was the real plan <laughs> I had that plan but I'm not God called me into ministry But as I look back on my life, it was people who planted seeds along the way. People who saw something in me. And and I'll tell you what, I was rocky soil. I was soil that I had this wow moment and it lasted for all of maybe two months. I was the guy who went to church for 20 years and didn't do anything. 20 years. Sat in a thing like this, listened to sermon after sermon. I said, well, that ain't for me, but I'll just go. Because my wife wants me to go. But then, that seed took. And I don't know what I'm producing as far as fruit. I just know, man, God has called me to speak. God has called me to live into people's lives. God has called me to lead. And it was because there was faithful people along the way who planted seeds. Don't you want to be that person for somebody else? Don't you want to look back on your life and say, Man, I planted a seed. You saw some fruit come from somebody else? Don't you want to get to heaven someday? And then you look behind you and you say, like, why? Jesus says, Why are you here? And you're saying, By only by your blood that I'm here. And then all of a sudden somebody comes up to meet you. And you're like, Who are you? And you say, You don't know me, but you planted a seed in my life. Don't you want to be that person? We have that opportunity. That's what Jesus was calling the disciples to and that's what he's calling you and I to today. Seed won't grow where seed don't go. We have to be a sower who's willing to go to plant the seed. Are you willing to plant the seed? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for allowing us the privilege that you use us even though we're rocky ground sometimes. Even though we get choked out by the world, it's so easy to get choked out by the world. There's so many things that get in the way of worshiping you. We put different gods in place of you. And so, Lord, we want to set that aside. You have called us to be sowers. We want to represent you well. For those of us who call you as our Lord and Savior, we want to represent you well. So I ask, Lord, that you would allow us that privilege. Give us a heart that breaks for our world, that breaks for those who don't know you. and Allow us the privilege to come alongside them and introduce them to you. Lord, again, it's your responsibility. You are the one that's in charge of the soil. Help us not to get in the way. I pray this in your name. Amen.